0: So the NHL trade deadline is 3 p.m. on Friday, but apparently, general managers thought it was this weekend. Good morning, and welcome into first up on this they Monday morning.
1: Early vacation before <laughs> March break, don't they?
0: It's the final Monday of February, March on Wednesday, buddy. We're getting closer. Wow. Spring is in the air. Okay, it's not. It's still freezing. Apparently, it's going to snow today, but Get we're feeling here, good. Susie. Yeah, it's going to snow today. I'm sorry, I report. Oh my god.
1: God, man, I'm so done with this. Oh, I, man. it's
0: not even close to over. Friday apparently a big snowstorm as well coming Seriously? in southern Ontario. Yeah, I'm keeping very close tabs on it because we're coming into studio a lot these days, and I'm always very conscious of driving in inclement
1: weather. So, so like, I prepare myself I, mentally. I know we had quite the weekend, and like cola mania is the like the weather person drunk too? Like, what's what's going on here? It's March, and we're still hitting, like, heavy winter weathers? Not March yet. March on Wednesday. Hey, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be March on Wednesday. Yeah. We're still getting, still getting snow? Like, do, does the weather person or does the, like, Mother Nature, like, go out and get drunk on the weekend? Yeah, it's like, well, what's the deal? they're screwing us over these days, that's for sure. We're getting, uh, we're getting closer, though. You know, that's how
0: it is. March, Jeez. April, there's some snowfalls, but man, it's been uh, a wild time in the National Hockey League over the last 3 I think days. The general
1: managers have got have had themselves quite the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know
0: what they have against James Dotti. Everybody who's partaking in the NHL trade deadline coverage here at TSN like you are, but like what's left? I mean, if you missed what happened over the weekend, there was a massive trade made late last night between Tampa and Nashville. Tanner Janot goes for like 30 draft picks. When did Je-
1: Tanner Janot become the hottest Tanner Genot, on the on the trademark?
0: He, of the five goals in 56 games with Nashville, now a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning
1: for, I'd have to get the whole trade. There's like a first, a top prospect, a second, so a third. Uh, defenseman, Cal Foot, and five draft picks. A first, <laughs> a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth.
0: And Tanner Genoa is like a controllable asset. He's signed for, what, 800 grand this year, and then he's an RFA, so it's not going to cost you a lot, but I think Tampa has pretty much zoned in on what they were looking for, right? And that's that hard four-checker, a guy who can lay hits. He did score 24 goals I believe last year, so he has the touch, and and everyone's looking at it the same way, right? It's like, all right, Tanner Genoa has done nothing for Nashville. He's going to go to Tampa and score a massive goal in game six (laughs) for Tampa against the Leafs, and it'll be a great move, but did, is that what Tampa really needed? Does the, uh, they need to go out and get a forward? I mean, you look at their their forward group already. I mean, it's a special, special group. They are loaded all the yeah. way through, all 12 guys. But that's a big deal that went down. Of course, Timo Meyer was traded from San Jose to New Jersey. Finally. In another big deal yeah. featuring
1: prospects and draft picks and like a huge return. That was like return. seven for seven. Yeah, like a huge trade. return for San so Jose. Timo Meyer being the big piece going to the Devils, which... Is a spot most people predicted he would end up, and I think it's you know uh, a trade that puts New Jersey closer to the to the to the finish line. I mean, considering the season that they've had and where they want to get to come playoff time. But I wonder, like, if you're like you're watching these trades, and somewhere in the comfy confines of Arizona, what Jacob Chickering is thinking. Because this guy has been rumored to be traded for the last two years. And it's just watching every big-name player get traded within, like, the snap of a Which is a good
0: thing for us here at TSN, because Jacob Chickren is going to be the bell of the ball on Friday. You hope so. and Well, at least there's something to talk about. Where is he going to go? It sounds like Pittsburgh may or may not be interested in him. I'm sure other teams as well, but... I mean, Patrick Kane is basically a ranger. Everybody knows mm-hmm. it. They're just waiting to execute the deal on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday and make it work out of the salary cap, and the rangers are loaded. Like, what a what a move for them, getting him at whatever they're going to give up. I'm not really exactly sure, but it's not yeah. going to be this massive trade that we saw with... It's not going to be a Tanner Genovese. No, show. no, 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 not even close. So what's become quite evident here, and by the way, the Leafs beating Seattle 5-1 last night, is that the Eastern Conference... Everybody's loading up. Literally everybody. Except Carolina has not made their move yet. We'll see what it, what it is. But the Rangers have added Tarasenko. They will add Kane. New Jersey adds Meyer. The Maple Leafs add Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari. Tampa trades for Tanner Janot. Boston trades for Dimitri Orlov. So you're in a situation here with the Eastern Conference, Coco, where Tampa or Toronto not getting in around round one, and perhaps New York or...
1: There's going to be two of the top six teams... New Jersey? In, in, the, in, the, N- in, the, in the NHL, maybe, yeah, too. In the NHL. You actually. could make
0: an argument the top six teams in the NHL are all in the 100%. Atlantic and the Metropolitan 100%. Divisions.
1: And two of those teams will not be in the second round of the playoffs. But mm-hmm. now, say what you want about the playoff format. People are saying, you know, even if you go 1-8 through eight in the Eastern Conference, a lot of the matchups are going to look the same, but there's still 20 games left. And I would imagine what the, the the standings are today are going to be completely different in 20 games from now if you went 1-8, to eight, considering how close everybody is. And you give teams incentive to continue to play and get points because there can be a, an impactful shift in the standings if you go 1-8. to eight. But in these wild card formats where it's division only, Boston's running away with division. Their position's going to change, isn't going to change. The Leafs in Tampa position isn't going to change because one of them is going to get home ice and the other one's going to have to go on the road. Carolina is probably going to win the division, and then Jersey and Ranger are going to have to battle for home ice. <laughs> That's the gauntlet to get through the Eastern
0: Conference. Like if you're a Tampa or Toronto, any of these teams, yeah, Boston might get a team like I don't know, a lesser than that. You don't have to necessarily be as concerned by. Maybe it's Pittsburgh or yeah. or Buffalo, whoever it is. But if you're Tampa, Toronto, if you're the team that finishes. Second or third in the Atlantic or the Metro, I mean, good luck. I mean, you you might get through a round or two, but at some point in time, you're like, my goodness. And it's it's
1: it's amazing oh. that considering these teams that are in that conversation are investing so much into trades. Like you talk about the Rangers are doing, the Devils are doing. Carolina's been sitting idle. They'll make a move. For I think sure. Carolina. You hear the word, you sorry, you hear the name JT Miller floating mm-hmm. around. It, it almost seems like the perfect fit, JT Miller into Carolina. They have the cap space to do it. They want a guy on term. They haven't made a move yet. They're looking for Vancouver would love to trade JT lo- Miller. They're looking right. for a Max Patch Ready replacement. Yeah. It almost seems like that's the perfect fit match. Well, they need to make some kind of move because every single other
0: team of the top six in the East. Yeah, Toronto, Tampa just made their move, move. and of course the Rangers have made multiple moves and the Devils getting Timo Meyer. So Carolina is gonna do something. And again we'll get back to the Leafs in just a second, but what the hell is going on in the Western Conference? I mean, do is these Edmonton, teams, where's, where's Edmonton? Well, Edmonton. Mickey, Edmonton, hello. I mean, Ken Holland, buddy, <laughs> you better get on the phone here because your team needs some assistance on the back end, maybe in goal, too. I don't know what they're going to do in that respect. But, man, that was a tough that was a tough watch on, on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, seeing Columbus beat Edmonton. Like, come on, guys. That was embarrassing. You have other teams in the... In the West, I guess Winnipeg goes out and picks up Nino Niederreiter over the weekend. Good move. Mm. He'll have a second-round pick. Sure, he can play for you.
1: Fill up for the loss of uh, Cole Perfetti.
0: Yeah, so it's been really fascinating to see how aggressive teams in the East are. And there's still time. There's four days until the deadline. But you imagine at some point soon you'll see some of these West teams start to be like, all right, like Edmonton should get, go, get, go get Chikrin. I mean, it's just the most obvious move for them. And I understand there's the salary cap and trying to figure out how that, how that works. But if the Rangers can figure out how to get Patrick Kane on their team, I'm sure Edmonton can figure out how to get Chikrin. The idea of having McDavid and Drysidel and Hyman and Nugent Hopkins and Kane, they're having such an incredible season collectively and not going out and, and investing some of your future to improve this team, especially in a Western conference where it is wide open. If you told me Winnipeg was in the Stanley Cup final, I would not be surprised at all. Not at all. Uh, no, anybody. They're all. The, no all likes. these teams are the same, and I think Colorado's probably the best. Yeah, but they're not the same team they were last year. Like M is a huge question mark, and they had a lot of attrition from year over year. So that's a team, by the way, that's going to make a move at some point too, right? I mean, who's this? Colorado. They're going yeah, so. yeah, so. to trade for somebody. Yeah, Vegas
1: made their move yesterday. They got bar- Barbasin. I guess man. Vegas would be the, and they and were apparently in on Meyer as well. They were, yes, but considering the haul that San Jose got back from Meyer, Didn't think they were going to be in that game. But you wonder if you're, you're Doug Armstrong today, and you're like, man, I think I, I should have just stayed asleep all day yesterday and waited till Janot was traded, and maybe my, my market for Barbashev would have gone up because Barbashev just went for um, Zach a, top, a, top a top prospect, prospect. first-round pick in last year's draft. And Janot gets six pieces back, Janot. so he must be like, yeah. But if I'm there's, Tanner if, there's Janot. if there's one thing the Edmonton Oilers who have so much pressure to win on them because they have two of the best players in the world on their roster and their contracts are going to be up in the next two years, at least one of them is. How do they not sit here and look at what Tampa's doing and just say to themselves, who cares about draft picks? Tampa does not care about any if they, and no, they, ju- they basically haven't, they have no draft picks in the next three years. If you, if you look at what Tampa's doing, you should not criticize any move they make when it comes to trades or draft picks because what they've basically committed to is they have every player of their core locked up long-term. They've got Kucherov, Point, Sorelli, Hedman, Stamko, Vasilevsky, Vasileski. everybody's Nick locked Paul. in for the next six-plus years, okay? So, clearly, draft picks don't mean much to them because because they're Tampa. They're going to sign veteran role players every offseason to come in and play in their bottom six because they're Tampa. And be, you know, no state tax, you know, come on down here, Corey Perry, Pat So why would they care about what draft picks mean to them? I know it's it's a very irresponsible way to run your organization, but... It'll catch up to them at some point. At some point, but right now they don't care about catching up to them right now because they've committed to their core long-term. They believe every, as long as they have those guys playing in their primes, they're going to be contenders every year. And every year they're going to find those guys that they target that come in cheap, little bit of cost control and play a role-defined role for them and pay whatever the price it costs to get them because they don't care they do not draft Schmaff. draft I think that is a uh, cliff
0: Fletcher and uh well and and less need yeah. I think draft Schmaff was the Cliff Fletcher homage early in the what maybe late late 80s early 90s and then Les need the GM of the LA Rams had the same idea now they're, they're in some serious trouble wow we've got a great show here this morning on this Monday, we've got Darren Dreger Mondays Hockey are always insider, great, man. A lot Brian, to get into. Brian Hayes will join us as well, the host of Overdrive. We'll talk to Leah McHugh from the NHL on TNT. Steve Phillips, his season debut in about 20 minutes as well. The Jays kicking off their spring training, and you say Kakuchi. Cy Young, here we come. Good start. Okay. Well, good, nice beard, anyways. Really good, good start, start for Kikuchi. and the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they are uh, they're underway in spring training. We'll get back to the Leafs. The 5-1 win last night, which saw the Matthews band back together. Man, did they ever put on a show. It's first up for your Monday morning, AK and Coco, here on TSN 1050.
1: So, we, we spent a lot of time complaining about the weather, and rightfully so, because it sucks that we're still experiencing winter type of weather, but I must say, one of the bright spots of it being cold, and I never want to give cold any compliments, is when you leave like a cold, sorry, when you leave a new bottle of water in your car overnight, and I literally woke up to it frozen. It was ice. Mm, Okay. Little shards of ice in there. Tasty. Is there anything more refreshing than opening up that bottle of iced water yes. and drinking it? The most refreshing that, that's, water. Literally, that's what I've been drinking all morning. The and most refreshing
0: like, water is when you wake up in the middle of the night, you go to your tap, you turn it on as cold as possible, and then you let it run for maybe 10, 15 seconds. You have that first sip at like 4 in the morning when you're half asleep, and you're like, oh, that is just yes. the bee's knees right there. So you, that I, is I, the answer. Do you drink water from the tap? I do, yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm a, ta- I'm a tap water guy. I used to have a Brita, and then I didn't use it for the years. Well, I have the, I have the, the fridge filter. Product, oh, yeah, I don't have that. Right, so that's where I always you know, get you're, my... you're, a, you're a bougie out there in Oakville. Downtown and... Toronto, we have no money.
1: <laughs> we got idiots. no money here. We got no money. Yeah, but, downtown uh, Toronto no, has no money. Z- zero dollars, yeah. zero dollars. Poor I, people rich to live downtown, The right?
0: Toronto Maple Leafs. Guys who have a lot of money, Matthews, Marner, Michael Bunting, those guys will be getting, uh, well, Bunting anyways, new contract. I guess Matthews, too, this off season. hopefully, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're back together. And lo and behold, you have Mitch Marner playing on your right wing, Austin Matthews. You look like Austin Matthews. And scored twice last night, the second of which was just a ridiculous feed from Marner, who is on a ridiculous tear of his own. Guy has, what, eight assists in his last two games? Well, no. Or, or guess I guess, night. oh, yeah, I forgot about the Friday night. We were a little bit yeah. uh, occupied Wait, on Friday. Friday night? Yeah, I guess they, they did beat <laughs> Minnesota Wild 2 1 on Friday night. But you, let's, let's scratch that game from our memories. You go back to the the Buffalo game where they had um, what it was at least one six three, and Marner had five primary assists, had mm-hmm. three assists last night. This guy is just on fire. He his creativity. He is setting up guys left and right. Whether it's Ryan O'Reilly or John Tavares or William Nylander, and last night Austin Matthews. It's been something to behold, and now he's top 10 in league scoring. His Mitch Marner slowly creeping up, and I don't see it slowing down anytime soon because he is the engine that drives the top six for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Whether he's playing with O'Reilly or playing with Matthews or playing with Tavares, these guys are playing their best hockey when they have Mitch Marner on their wing. And I think your tweet last night, Coco, Illustrated it perfectly. You might have to come out of retirement, keep your stick on the ice, drive to the net, you're going to pot 25 goals.
1: It, It really is amazing, you know, the impact that he has on players' successes. And I think, look, say what you want about Sheldon Keith. This is what we've always complimented him about, is his ability to understand when to make certain adjustments either within the game or between games. And it started Friday. You know, Friday had a Minnesota team come in here. Basically, you know, um, made that game a a defensive-minded game. It was a 1-1 game and an unbelievable individual effort by William Nylander in overtime to seal the, the victory for the Leafs. But in that game, you know, Sheldon Keefe has started to mix things up. That's when he... Marner with Matthews to try to get Matthews going because ever since the Ryan O'Reilly trade there's been a lot of talk about O'Reilly and the way that line has performed with Tavares on the wing and Tavares scores again last night and Marner and it's sort of you know Matthews has been going quietly about his business even with, with Bunting still being able to find a way to contribute and lo and behold they go to Seattle they he decides to keep that line together they play a full game together and it finds a way to to, to kickstart Matthews. Yeah. And two like, goals on the board. And, look, you, you shouldn't have to say that about a guy like Austin Matthews where he needs a guy like Mitch Marner to play it because William Nylander's having a hell of a year, too. Like, Marner's got 74 points, Nylander's got 72. Marner has eight points in his last three games and is only ahead of Nylander by two points. So that just goes to show you, you know, Nylander leads the team with 30, 33 goals as well, too. That just goes to show you, how impactful both of those wingers can be, but sometimes it just takes a little bit of a switch to, to kickstart guys and it, you saw the impact that it had yesterday and yeah, I sent out that tweet yesterday because it just seems like anybody that plays with, with, with Marner, all, all you really got to do is just go to the net with your stick on the ice. Ryan
0: O'Reilly said it best, I think. Oh, I think a Pee Wee player could have scored right. those goals that I scored
1: against Buffalo last week. He's right. It was like, just it, amazing. It's it's, sometimes it isn't easy playing with great players because you always have to read and, and, and react off to the things they're doing and the places on the ice that they're at. But literally, if you play like a guy, guy like Mitch Marner, it should be very easy because it's, it's simple. Play, give, and go hockey. Get them the puck and go to the place where you're going to get the puck back to score. He made, it, a, he
0: made a ridiculous pass to Timothy Lilligren last night, too.
1: Behind the net, too. Just like right,
0: right thread <laughs> yeah. right
1: of the needle, and Lilligren had And, and look, that, that a, was a nice really impressive game by the Maple Leafs because they gave up the early goal, and you thought, oh, well, here we go. Road game in Seattle. Place that, you know, Seattle has had a lot of success this year. Get that crowd going. But it didn't phase them. They The next shift, you know, they, they tied up Mark Giordano in his return to Seattle. Some people forget that Mark Jordano played a year in Seattle. I did, basically. Right? I mean, essentially, he's a captain too. Yeah, captain too. He was, I mean, because he was so good in Calgary throughout his career, and he gets that short stint in Seattle. The Maple Leafs acquire him, and now they 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 got him on on their side. He in his return, he gets the big goal to kickstart this team, and it's followed by Tavares, who's looked really really good playing the wing and and has been really productive and. They get another goal by a defenseman in and then they put the game away in the second period with a goal by Matthews, followed by a goal by Matthews in the third two, which sealed the, the victory. Samsonov looked really good. And they kick start, they get their road trip off to a good start so far. You mentioned Samsonov. The Leafs going down one nothing. Like they were
0: getting just crushed early on in that game. I mean, they had nothing going, no momentum, and they go down one nothing. Bad turnover leads to a Vince Dunn goal for Seattle. And it could have easily easily been down 2-0, if not for a huge save by Samsonov. I can't remember who it was on. Uh, Bjorkstrand. It was on Bjorkstrand. And it could have easily been 2-0, and who knows how the game goes. But he makes that Mm -hmm. kick save with his left pad, and from there, Geo scores that kind of... You know, squiggler through the net, and it went past Grubauer, who stinks, by the way. My goodness, what a horrible contract (laughs) he has. My God. He's having a pretty good season. I I think he's, like, goals against above three. He's got a sub-900 save percentage. Winning games. He and Martin Jones win games, but they're not good goaltenders. In any case, we don't need to focus too much on that. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that was a huge goal for Geo. By the way, it sets the all- NHL's all-time block shots yeah, record. The Warrior Award, I think the Golden Shin Award is what Morgan <laughs> Riley called it. So uh, that's, that's uh, that was really one. cool to see. A lot of positivity. So you got a silver that stick
1: game. for playing a thousand games. You what else, What else? What other cool award do you get for a, a, a different milestones? But the golden shin. the golden Shin like Move that, over that, chris russell that is a that that is a pretty cool trophy to put on your mantle um at the end of your career a lot of blocks. That, uh you know you you like blocking shots isn't easy man, like I played with Chris Russell former guy that held that that award and and Chris Russell was about as big as you, okay not a very He's monster not a not Jax. a very big guy, but was not afraid to 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 jump in front of shots. And you can really make a name for yourself being that guy in your career, you know, that 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 does a lot of the hard things right. And for Mark Giordano, like what isn't there to love about this guy? The way he plays, the way he keeps himself in shape. He can contribute offensively, he can play really stout defensively, and now this award couldn't be more fitting for a guy like that. The Warrior Award. For Mark Giordano for sure. Yeah, hell of a performance. Hell of a career for
0: Gio, and that shop block that he had to break the record was a big one for the Maple Leafs to yeah. get a five one win over Seattle. Gio. They are taking on Edmonton, in Edmonton on Wednesday night, eight o'clock start, thank goodness, because you know if it was a nine o'clock start, you know, the morning show hours not necessarily conducive to that. But eight o'clock, the NHL schedule makers hooking up the fans of uh of Toronto and I guess the first up crew as well here um, for that game coming up. Um, David, oh, it's going to be a fun one. I can't wait for Wednesday. In any case, we've got Darren Dreger coming up and Brian Hayes as well. We'll talk to Aaron Rose about the Raptors. Man, did they ever get spanked by Cleveland yesterday? Maybe a little bit of a wake-up call, exactly what the Toronto Raptors are and where they stand in the East. Coming up next, it's the season debut of our MLB analyst, Steve Phillips. He joins us next. Back here on First up, Karulnik and Koliakovo. The Toronto Blue Jays also back. They kick off their spring, spring training schedule over the weekend. You know what that means. It's time to welcome back for the first time in far too long our MLB analyst. Steve Phillips, let's get the studio audience. Let's yeah. crack it up. Good morning, Steve. Welcome back. What's going on? Oh,
2: good morning, boy. A lot's changed since the last time I talked to you guys. The studio audience is
1: fantastic. <laughs> they <laughs> are loud. They're wow. loud. Wow, they are loud. That's yeah, great. we Cole charge a done, uh, we Cole's charge done. yeah
0: we charge a significant fee to come watch this show live in person, Steve. As you can imagine, yeah, it's kind of like you know a Springsteen concert in here. Oh, so. kind of like that. By the yeah. way,
2: he's going to be a tour coming up this year, right? Uh, that's right. That's right. Born I know. In the USA, that's, yeah, some wow. like four
0: hour concerts uh for springsteen on the subject of length of time ah close on the segue very close the pitch clock i mean what an introduction over the weekend where you had that situation (laughs) the walk-off strikeout with the pitch clock
1: and there's been a batter that yeah got called out because he violated the 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 Clock rule. The, I, didn't yeah, know, the so, I didn't know. The, I didn't know the the batter had a clock rule. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, help us, help us understand what's well, going on here in
2: baseball. Okay. So think about it. That that the reason the batter needs a clock rule because otherwise they could then put the pitcher in jeopardy if they don't get in the batter's box. So the rule is they're going with fifteen seconds with nobody on base, twenty seconds with runners on base. The pitcher has to deliver. Has to start his motion is what it is. He has to start his motion within fifteen seconds with nobody on base and twenty seconds with runners on. Now the hitter, the batter, has to be in the box with both feet, looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left. Uh, Now, what happens? Oftentimes, the violation for the hitter will be he'll be in the batter's box with his, you know, getting his feet set, will be looking down and won't look at the pitcher, and there will be a violation. Now, in the minor leagues, I just had a, a meeting with MLB on Friday about all of these rules, and in the minor leagues, initially in the first two weeks they implemented. The, this rule, the pitch timer, there were 1.7 violations per game. So almost two per game. Uh, and then by the end of the season, there were 0.4 violations, which to put that in perspective, in the NFL, there are 0.6 delay of game penalties. Uh, During the course of a game, all right, and so so it'll be. It's fewer than that, Uh, and eighty-one percent of the violations are the pitchers. Only nineteen percent of the violations are the batters. Uh, But the hitter has to get in, and so in this game it was what Red Sox and Braves, I think it was. Uh, The hitter in uh, the game was tied six-six. Remember, in spring training they're not going to go extra innings, but with it would have been a bases-loaded walk. That would have led to the win, but instead the umpire said that he violated the rule. uh, And in fact, it was strike three that ended the inning and took away the run, which would have led to it. And, And here's the thing. It's great that that's happening. The more attention that could get drawn to this issue right now will mean that we'll face far fewer of them uh, in in the regular season. And, and the one thing that's kind of weird here is this was kind of a minor league player who's been living with the pitch timer in the minor leagues hmm. for the last hey. several years. So many of the guys in the big leagues now have experienced this. They're going to have to get reacclimated to it. Uh, but um, it's the rule to, to speed up the game, and it's going to knock off 25 to 30 minutes per game.
1: Well, That's they huge. Did, they did. See, they did say the. They did post the average length of game last year was like three hours and twenty minutes, and the average length of the game so far this spring training, two hours and thirty minutes.
2: Yeah, yeah. Three oh seven is what the average was last year. Twenty twenty one is three hours and eleven minutes. And you're right; it's knocking about a half an hour off. It's awesome. And yeah. so right. And so and what it is, and it's not so much the length of the game; it's the time between contact made on a bat. That back in the 1960s and 70s, it was two and a half minutes between contact being made, where a pitch makes contact with a bat uh, on average. It's gotten up to four minutes. And so you wait four minutes between every time there's contact. You know, it's ball one, ball two, strike one, strike two. And before the ball is put in play, it's up to four minutes right now. And that's really what they're trying to do is to eliminate the amount of time between contact. And now more contact will turn into base hits because we're banning the shift. Although what they're finding is that they may not have gone far enough with it because what teams are doing with the left-handed hitter is they're taking the left fielder and moving them over into that rover spot where we saw the second baseman play really deep into shallow right field, and they're going with a two-outfielder format, really, is what teams are doing to sort of see if that'll work. And I suspect that next year, they probably won't do it in season, but next year they're going to say you need to have two infielders in the dirt on either side of second base and three outfielders playing in standard position. Uh, But they didn't do that, and they think probably they might not have gone far enough with it.
0: Steve Phillips is our guest, making his grand return to first stop. And we're talking about adjustments that Toronto Blue Jays fans might need to make. For example, watching a game, you're seeing the pitch clock, you're seeing bigger bases, and you're seeing Yusei Kikuchi with a beard and a competent pitching performance, Steve. How much should we take away from his debut, I guess in spring training at least, and what Yusei Kikuchi was able to do? Any optimism that you would be able to derive from that? So, so, I want to because
2: I know he needs it <laughs> yeah. from Blue Jays fans uh and from Carlo particularly uh, and so and so, um,
1: hey, but I'll the tell one you it's got the jersey, not me. I do yeah. have a Kikuchi jersey, oh, true. nice,
2: okay, good, do you have darts? Do you put up on a dart board or what do you do? With that? <laughs> yeah. I wear it proudly, come on, okay. he's going to have
0: a big bounce back season
2: <laughs> so I'd like to see that for him uh and and look a, a great first outing is better than not having one. But, you know, it's not only about that. Spring training is one of the worst times to evaluate talent. So is September because, you know, you've got all different levels of players up at the, in spring training. You know, you've got a lot of Class A players that are up there. You may not face as many major leaguers, you might have a minor league umpire behind the plate. So there's a lot of things that can come into play with this. Uh, and, and yet, you know, it's something to build upon because, really, for him, this is mental. It's not physical. His stuff, he's, he's capable of this. It's just that he doesn't hold on to it in the belief of himself. They've got to build up that confidence. So every positive he can gain right now gets him in that wheel of confidence that leads to success. And success that leads to confidence. And he's got to stay in that wheel. Because when he spins out of it, he has a hard time getting back in. And so it's a good first start for him. Something to build upon. But we'll see if it's uh, if he's able to maintain it.
0: Steve, we saw Nate Pearson out there on Saturday. I'm trying to struggle. I was struggle with, the, with what day it happened uh, over the weekend. I, I don't even know what day it is yeah, today, know, so don't I worry don't. about it. He fine. was almost he's almost hitting 101 on the gun. He's throwing absolute fire and didn't have his best performance. Had a couple of walks, gave up a couple of hits. But I think the velocity is particularly noteworthy. What type of impact do you think Nate, Nate Pearson can have out of the bullpen this year?
2: Well, I mean, I've been dying for him to be a reliever, and I just think that, that one, it can protect his arm a little bit, uh, and with the expanded 26-man roster, you can carry the extra guy. You know, you've got a little more protection for your bullpen where you can, you know, not have to use him back-to-back and protect him some just to get him into the season in a rhythm. He's got great stuff. Now... You know, he threw 101, but he gives up a couple hits because guys can hit 101 right now. It's amazing what hitters can do. That's the thing that always dumbfounds me. It used to be that there were very few guys who ever threw over 96, 97. Now everybody throws 101, and hitters can hit it because they're kind of used to it. They get the timing of it. Uh, But he has the ability to be a shutdown setup guy for them. And, and, you know, to go along with Swanson at the end of the game, lead to Romano at the end of the game, and, and really give them this dynamic, you know, trio of power arms that can dominate. Uh, but it's gonna be about consistency. The difference between big leaguers and minor leaguers isn't about the radar gun. There are so many guys in the minor leagues that throw 101. The difference is consistency, the ability to not only maintain that velocity from one outing to the next, but to be able to, to locate where he needs to locate, to then set up the slider that could be a wipeout slider, to be able to throw that breaking pitch in the same tunnel where you threw your fastball off the plate. Because once you make mistakes or, and here's the thing, the thing that that causes managers and general managers to get white hair or lose it is when relievers walk batters. That mean, is, you're coming in, typically sometimes with runners on base, you don't want to give them any free passes, make them earn everything, and so that's going to be critical for sure.
1: Steve, uh, in massive news over the weekend in Major League Baseball, we saw Manny Machado opt out of his contract with the San Diego Padres, and most people thought, "Oh, okay, this is what's going to happen here." Well, clearly, he knew what he was doing because he signed an 11-year, 350 million dollar deal. What did you make about the deal, and what does that say about the Padres? Yeah, I, I you know, people rave about. Um
2: you know everything about San Diego, right? How great it is, and everything else. It, little did we know they have buried the lead. They've never told us that money grows on trees there. It, <laughs> nice. I mean, I mean, nice. like, right? Wh- what? Why would they not have shared that? We all would have been there by now. No kidding. Uh, and and so it's amazing to me. They've got the third highest payroll, and you know they're a mid to smaller market team uh, without a great TV deal. But their owner Peter Seidler just wants to go for it. He's a little bit like Steve Cohen. And in and, and with the Mets, who's just, you know, they're spending money hand over fist and they want to win a championship and they're not apologizing. Uh, and and p- people say owners are mad at the Mets owner. They're, I think, more upset at San Diego with that size marketplace with the third highest payroll. There's there. there other teams are like, wait a minute, how can they afford this? So it's a big deal. They, they said it, Machado was their priority. You know, the initial salvo for, on either side for an offer, they were about 144 million apart, but they found some middle ground to get a deal done. Uh, and it was the Padres coming up in a significant way. So they lock him up long term. It's the fourth highest contract out there now. Uh, and, but what it means is, I don't know how they possibly signed Juan Soto moving right, forward. That's going to be my next uh, question. And I don't know that they are in on Otani with this either. So it seems like they made a choice. <laughs> and I think it's probably the right thing to, to try with the first guy to see if he can get him. Uh, but, you know, we may see an Otani or a uh, Soto trade, at not this year, but maybe at the end of the season or next year if they're not going to be able to sign him. Because I don't know how they possibly can. They still have Tatis to the major contract. You know they've got Bogart signed to the major contract, yeah. and Machado, and Darvish, and Joe Musgrove all over 100 million dollars. So they've got a ton of money out there. But they're going to be really good, and they're they're the team to beat in the, in the National League West.
1: And I tell you what, as much as you are skeptical of signing those two guys, there's a lot of people that believe. That they're still going to find a way to sign those two guys, especially Soto, and be in the hunt for Otani. I don't know how yes, they make it. Bring happen, them all in, but bring, like <laughs> bring them all okay, in. Okay, so we're going into the season just quickly. What do you expect an Otani contract to look like? Oh, it'll be a five hundred million
2: plus wow. deal. Yeah, it, it will. He'll be fifty million a year. I mean, you think about it. The best ace pitchers are getting thirty to thirty-five million a year, and the biggest sluggers are getting. 30 to 35 million a year and more. And so you're talking about a guy who's both of those. He'll be the best hitter and the best pitcher available in free agency next year. And so, yeah, I think he's going to be a 50 plus million dollar a year player. And I think the Dodgers will be in, especially if the Padres run away with the division this year. The Dodgers will jump in, the Mets will get in. And see, the Yankees, the thing about the Yankees, interesting, You know, there was a talk the other day that Aaron Judge is going to try to play left field so Stanton can play right field. And I thought, geez, I don't know if I want to do that to Stanton because I need him as healthy as possible if I'm the Yankees. And I think anything you do to put him in the field puts him at risk physically. But if they're in on Otani, they have to clear the DH rollout and play Stanton in the outfield. And mm. so they better figure out if he can do it on a regular basis because it's the only way they can get in on Otani and still have both of them on the same roster.
0: Steve, it may be spring training, but you, my friend, are in mid-season form. Thank you for doing this. We'll chat with you every Monday morning and Thursday morning from here on out all the way into the month of October. Have a great day. Thanks for doing this.
2: You bet, guys. Good to be back with you again. Have a great week. You too.
0: To Steve Phillips, our MLB analyst. five hundred. For Otani. And Uh, and you're right, man. The Dodgers, I mean, or sorry, excuse me, the Padres. Like, they are just spending money like it's going out of style. Good for them. No, exactly. I, I don't mean, know
1: how they can do it. It's crazy to think that a small market team can do that. Yeah. But well, they're not a small market team
0: anymore. No they were, they but they win. are no they win.
1: longer. By any means necessary.
0: The First Up scoreboard on the other side, a 71-point performance by an NBA player late last night. We'll fill you in on who that was. What a show he put on. That's next on First Up. We start in Portland on the First Up scoreboard here on First Up, of course, where Damian Lillard became the eighth player in NBA history to score 70-plus points in a game. The only NBA player in history to score 70 or more in fewer than 40 minutes. Lillard and the Blazers, they do that thing against the Houston Rockets, which is no surprise. 22 of 38 was Lillard. Thirteen threes. Unbelievable. Thirteen threes. That is a hell of a performance. And if you could find Lillard on FanDuel to lead the NBA in scoring, like I did last week. Shrewd move by yours truly. Pretty good shot that it, happens.
1: Uh and that I guess the rest post-all-star break yeah, also exactly. helped.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, you you get a day off. Apparently there's a lot of traveling for the Blazers. So they so Lillard and Grant needed a day off. Yeah. And it paid off for uh he and the Blazers. Big win for them. How about the Denver Nuggets? Nikola Jokic, 40 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists. The Nugs beat the L.A. Clippers
1: 134-124. Big win for them. That was the the, the consecutive game that the Clippers went into overtime. Did you see their score Friday night? It was like the second highest scoring game in NBA history. So Clippers went to double OT Friday night against the Sacramento Kings, and they lost <laughs> one seventy six to one seventy five. What the? I saw defense that score optional. And I'm like, defense optional. That can't be right. That's got to be a misprint. But no, one seventy six to one seventy five. Crazy, yeah, absolutely crazy. Also crazy, the LA Lakers
0: coming back from 27 down against Dallas. They beat the Mavs 111 108. LeBron James coming up a little bit hobbled in that one. He heard a pop. He did say he heard a pop. Heard a Likely pop out for yep. multiple
1: years. Yeah, heard a pop in his ankle. <laughs> I think he somehow fine. finished the rest. I of the think game.
0: he's fine. The Cleveland Cavaliers destroyed the Toronto Raptors yesterday, and maybe a little bit of a snapback to reality for Toronto, I haven't played. Good teams of late, and Cleveland obviously one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and they destroyed Toronto. A game that was not close, a pure route. Donovan Mitchell scored 35, and the Cavs win 118 to 93. That was a tough one for the Raptors, but congratulations to Fred Van Vliet, who has another kid. Yeah, and he's now up to three kids, and you know when he comes back, he's going to start lighting it up like he did. In 2019,
1: last time you had one, it ended up uh, bringing some good luck to the team. Maybe this time around, it brings even more good luck, and they maybe get on a roll, finishing the top six in the, the conference. Who, Who knows? knows? Who, sees? Who knows? But uh, switching over to the NHL, the Sabers, man, without Dahlen and Alex Tuck, they steamroll over the Capitals, seven four, led by Dylan Cousins who scored his first career hat-trick. Yeah, wow. What a performance. Minnesota Wild squeak out an overtime win against the Blue Jackets, 3-2. Man, I'm telling you, man, say what you want about the Blue Jackets. Yeah, they're tanking for Bedard, but they are not going to be an easy out for whoever plays them for the rest of the season here, man, because they play hard. But well, we saw Columbus beat Edmonton hard. on Saturday. I mean, yeah. how is that even possible? They had 2-0 lead going into the third period yesterday, and then they got into the penalty trouble. Wild tie it, and they win it in overtime. Caprizov with the hat trick in that game. The Jets, man, I don't know what to make of this team. When you start to feel good about them, they, they throw up a stinker. They lose 4 0 at home to the Islanders. Bull Horvat with his 36th of the season. The Rangers at home with all the speculation around Patrick Kane. Potentially joining them midweek because of salary cap implications. All signs point towards the deal being done. Oh, it's a done deal. It's just sure. it's Kane just, will be a uh, salary cap gymnastics. They win five two at home against LA, and one of the bigger controversies in that game was the spitting incident mm. with Keandre Miller. And look, I don't. I, I hope there was no intent to, uh, on on Miller's part because. That type of, of act is just gutless, classless.
0: What, what what was the intent not to spit at
1: Drew Doughty, or think it was just a mistake? I I think his his explanation after the game was that you know he was had a dry mouth and was just you know trying to spit one out, and I didn't hear anything from Doughty after the game, but based on what I saw in the video, Doughty didn't react like he was spit off. It's True, so. Who's to say? At the end of the day, it's an ugly incident. He got a match penalty for that, kicked out of the game. We'll see how the NHL handles that situation today. In a surprise result, the Pittsburgh Penguins just spank the Tampa Bay Lightning seven to three yesterday. A game they desperately needed, considering all the speculation and the the uh,
0: struggles. They were playing poorly. Struggles. They need the they that race in the East, man, for the wild card spots wide open. There's like seven teams yeah. vying for two. Buffalo. I think Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh ultimately gets Islanders. in there. They're just too good not to get yeah. in there. They have too much talent. But that's a game that probably they were the underdogs in against Tampa, and they come up with a big win. We also yeah. saw Nashville beat up on Arizona, the first game in the post Tanner Janot era yeah.
1: for the what Nashville Predators
0: and the Toronto and Maple the Leafs. And the big David Poyle
1: news yesterday. Yes, too, David Poyle, right? the Gonna step long-time now. Uh, President of, the uh, of, of National.
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, the Leafs, they beat Seattle 5 1. We'll get to that story at the top of the hour, and we'll tell you everything that transpired over the weekend in the National Hockey League with regards to trades. And they were plentiful over the weekend, no doubt. Hour number two of First Up, AK and Coco with you here on this Monday morning, TSM 1050.